Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Medicare Stars podcast. This podcast provides relevant and curated content on stars so you can influence and drive outcomes in your health plan. I trust you're having a lovely day. My name is Dr. Sa. I'm a clinical quality professional, and my goal is to continue to advance my knowledge and experience in the space. So if you have the same interest as me, join my community of listeners and let's grow together. Welcome to the Medicare Stars podcast, hosted by Dr. Peter Saw a podcast that holds insightful discussions with subject matter experts on a variety of topics that influences the performance of Medicare stars in healthcare organizations. Now, in the previous episode, Catherine Iskrant went into great detail about the proposed rules and the heated public comment, which was released on February 13th. And she also gave winning strategies as well. So if you haven't listened yet, please do. And even better, listen multiple times, because I bet um, you're going to pick on something each time that you listen. For today, I'm excited to have Rex Wallace with me. Uh, he's joining me to discuss the implications of the proposed rules. Rex is a quality consultant with over 30 years of experience and the Rising Star podcast host. Rex, I'm so thrilled to have you today. Hey, great to be here. Yeah, thanks for having me, Dr. Saw. I'm, I'm excited to be here. Nice. Well, Rex, um, can you tell us about yourself? Tell us about your firm as well and what you do. Yeah, well, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, and, um, you know, stars like, like you stars is, uh, is, is the big part of my, my day job, right? I kind of eat, sleep and, and drink stars, um, and have for, um, yeah, for, I guess going on 11, 11 years now or so. Um, been in the industry a long time, like you said, 30 years. Um, led stars in operations and the consumer experience for um, for a health plan for several years, a four and a half star multi-state plan. Had a great team, you know, um, and, and a, a lot of help being uh, kind of developing a high-performing plan there. And then about six years ago, um, I had to move to Houston for some family reasons and, and ended up um, launching a consulting firm that focused at that time almost entirely on Medicare star ratings. So started working with health plans to really improve stars. Um, and since then have grown and expanded and now have a, a handful of other senior consultants working with me and, you know, mm. working with 30-ish health plans and um, around the country. And we focus, again, a lot on STARS, but just on all things quality now. So Medicaid, Marketplace, okay. Commercial, the, the whole nine yards and health equity and kind of everything that touches touches quality because quality is really, as you know, dependent upon so much. It's so broad. Um, definitely not just clinical quality anymore, right? It includes, like we know, the member experience and and, uh, and right. a lot of other things. So that's what we do. And um, so, again, heavily focused on STARS and, and uh, yeah, happy to be here today. 
Awesome. Well, I like what you said in the beginning. You eat, you drink, and sleep, stars. <laughs> I like that. Just like I you, think, I'm I sure. Awesome. <laughs> well, so, yeah, I, I would say that. Uh, but I, I think for most of us, that's the same drive we have. And that's why you're probably listening. You know, you're, you're probably listening to this podcast. So that's definitely great. And one thing that we also have in common, we both live in Houston. Right. So, and I just found out about that. That's exciting. So we're going to have lunch. Maybe one of these days. <laughs> yes, yes, one of these days. Awesome. Well, um, so Rex, as you, as you know, there, there has been a lot of talks about the um, CMS AN and the proposed rule, uh, which definitely is going to change things if these changes are, are to be effected. Uh, in the advance notice, CMS expects a 1.24% drop in the Medicare Advantage star ratings in 2024. Um, What are the drivers? Right. And that 1.24% is significant, right? Um, And that financial impact in the advance notice, it refers to the impact on the quality bonus payments in 2024. So not not exactly the um, projected ratings from the changes in the advance notice, but more... Um, what are the changes in the 2024 quality bonus payments? And those, as we know, um, are driven by the 2023 star ratings. And and also, as we know, one of the key changes between the 2022 and 2023 star ratings was regarding the adjustment for extreme and uncontrollable circumstances from COVID-19. You know, the 2022 stars, they included that adjustment, which allowed um, every plan in the country to receive the higher of their higher of or better of their 2021 star or 2022 star for for most every measure and that as you can imagine you know caused a huge upswing in performance scores for 2022 stars and a big influx in 2023 quality bonus payments um but those adjustments they didn't apply for 23 stars you know they just apply in the year that a that, that an extreme and uncontrollable circumstance begins. So since the pandemic began in 2020, those adjustments were made only for that measurement year, which impacted 2022 stars. They were not made for 2023 stars and there was no new nationwide pandemic. So that means that boost that everyone got in their 2022 stars was lost in 2023 stars. And they were, again, just scored on their actual performance in that, in that, in that year that impacted that rating. Um, So that's, that led to, um, you know, that loss in the adjustment from the extreme and uncontrollable circumstances led to, Again, a drop in ratings and thus a drop in quality bonus payments, which, which is that 1.2 for 1.24% drop um, that the advance notice refers okay. to. Oh, okay. So the the 1.24% drop has nothing to do with quality ratings. It's all about the bonus payment. From the previous year's quality rating. Exactly. Yeah. I see. Yeah. I see. And also one thing you mentioned that the, the adjustment that we made, um, did not apply in 2023. So a lot of plans that impacted these, you know, the ratings for a lot of plans. And um, in my assessment, I realized that a lot of plans actually lost, you know, a star level um, um, as a result of that, which also it kind of also adds another level of concern 
um, on top of these new changes that are, you know, in, in the headway coming. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it, when you think about the way this all kind of intertwines and the position that mm-hmm. a lot of plans are in now having just declined and and now we're throwing all of these additional changes at them. It's I'm sure it's overwhelming if you're sitting in the well, you're sitting in the <laughs> you're sitting in a plan seat right now. Mm-hmm. Right. So um, right. it's a lot. It's it's I'm sure it's, uh, you know, the proverbial drinking from a fire hose and and uh, just trying to get your head above water. Right. That's true. That's true. Basically on steroids, in other words. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so on, on with bonus payment, what are the financial implications of the proposed rule for Medicare Advantage organizations? It's it's enormous. It's um you know I I definitely don't recall any any proposed rule um, or advance notice for sure um you know having this much potential financial impact negatively to, to plans. And we're talking about, uh, you know, these, these changes are going to result in um, $25 billion in savings for the federal government between 2027 and 2033. So most of these changes go into place, as I'm sure Catherine touched on in, in the last episode, in 2020, for 2026 star ratings, which again drives the 2027 quality bonus payments or revenue. So... Mm. 2027 is when most of this change will be felt from a financial impact by plan. So between 2027 and 2033, um, again, $25 billion um, in fewer quality bonus payments will be paid to Medicare Advantage plans as a result of these. Now, that's three big buckets here. So there's about $3 billion of that in patient experience, complaints, and access measure weight change, right? So one of the big changes um, and probably, I don't know, most surprising changes coming out of the proposed rule is that those experience weights that we just saw climb to a weight of four, um, now they're being proposed to drop back down to two. And we, um, I don't think intuitively think that that will save the government money, but it actually will. They actually, by increasing the weight to four, they actually paid out more money than they would have otherwise. So they're actually going to save some money. That's not the only reason they're doing this, but but they're going to save $3 billion over those years um, by reducing those weights of the experience measures back down to two. And then there's the health equity index reward. Um, that is another $5 billion in, in fewer quality bonus payments. So plans that are getting quality, you know, quality bonus payments now, um, you know, um, 5 billion of that's going to go away because of the health equity index reward. And then by far the biggest change in the proposed rule from a star's perspective is the improvement measure hold harmless provision. So, you know, CMS is, uh, you know, proposing to, um, right now for, if you're a four star plan or four and a half or five star plan, the improvement measures can't hurt you. So you can be four stars. And and even if you're not improving significantly over last year, those in your improvement measure would get a low score because you're not improving. You're still four stars. So they're not going to let it penalize you. They don't want it to penalize you. Mm -hmm. They're changing that perspective, Mm -hmm. which I'm sure we'll get into more in a minute. But, but, um, now they're saying, hey, I think, you know, we're considering just having five-star plans be held harmless. That means if you're a four-star plan, but you're not improving significantly um, and you get a two-star on your improvement measure, um, we think it should be 
allowed to hurt you. And that's going to cause a lot of plans that are close to the four-star threshold, above the four-star threshold, to drop below and lose their quality, lose their four-star rating and lose their quality bonus payments the following year. So that change alone, CMS is estimating $20 billion in reduced quality bonus payments um, between 2027 and 2033. So that's a huge change that's going to impact a lot of plans. We think, you know, roughly, I think what I've seen is, uh, you know, maybe um, – uh, a third to a half, right, of, of plans that are getting quality bonus payments now might might fall below the quality mm. bonus payment line. Wow. So is it fair to say if bonus payments are going to be reduced, um, definitely got, that's going to put a lot of pressure um, on plans. Um, so then is that going to impact premiums on the member side? Um, cost of um, care on the member side, because if the plants are expected to provide the same level of service, but then there is a reduction in the bonus payment, that's kind of a stretch. Absolutely. And I'm I'm sure that's not what CMS necessarily wants is, you know, um, less competitive plans in the market. But but that that is where we will inevitably get to is, um, you know, plans not having the revenue to invest in reduce cost share or enhanced benefits or reduce premium for for their members. And we're definitely having conversations with, you know, our clients. And I know there's some perspectives out there that, you know, people think that you, um, you know, because of all these changes in three or four years from now, and, and this is just the stars changes, there are some pretty significant risk adjustment changes as well, right? right that are, right. Um, that I'm not quite as close to because I'm all mm. quality, but but, um, you know, in essence, you know, these changes are making it to where um, kind of only only the best of the best, you know, might might survive in the future. I mean, it's it's going to be harder and harder to compete. Right. If you are um, if you're unable to to achieve these things that we're being held to now. Wow. So w- with all this, how how can plans attempt to mitigate um, those financial implications? Yeah, if you look at those three buckets that I mentioned, um, and I'll take the biggest one first. So the improvement measure hold harmless, right? So, um, and again, what what they're saying, what they're proposing is that only five star plans will be held harmless from the improvement measures from being able to negatively hurt you. That means you know you have to you have to be a five star plan, or you have to improve significantly year over year. Um, you know, in the past, if you were four or four and a half stars. And you were you were performing well, and you were staying high performing, even if you weren't significantly improving year over year. You were okay. Um, you won't be going forward. You will have to um, you will have to continuously improve significantly to ensure that the improvement measures don't hurt you. To ensure you get a four or five star on your improvement measure, which is really hard when you are a four or four and a half star plan already, because you were performing. Mm-hmm pretty highly it's hard to you know keep climbing because of that law of diminishing returns um you know if you look at the measures if you look at the performance from last year from the 23 stars um five star plans achieved five stars on 79 percent of their part c measures um four star plans on the other hand um, achieve five stars on only 42% of their measures. So there is, there are a lot of measures where four star plans can 
can improve, there is a lot of room for improvement. And that's what CMS is looking at and saying, you know, there, there is significant room for improvement. So four-star plans should, should be made to have to improve or to face the, you know, potential penalty of these improvement measure um, impacts. So again, what you can do is, is um, if you're not five stars, then you're going to have to simply improve. Now to do that though, um, you need to know where to improve. It's not just improving for improvement's sake. The improvement measures have, have, um, you know, really detailed calculations in there based on not every measure impacts the improvement measure, but most do. Mm-hmm. But you have to understand where you are on every measure. So are you declining? Are you neutral? Or are you improving? And um, essentially, you need to be significantly improving more measures than than not. So you need to understand what the thresholds are for improvement for all of those measures and ensure you're either climbing above that significant improvement threshold or at least climbing from significant decline up into neutral um, cause that'll keep you from being penalized too. So there, you have to understand those thresholds, which, which means you, you need to have really strong analytics teams or a vendor that's going to help you, you know, understand that and have visibility into that. So lots of analytics, lots of focus on improvement on the health equity index reward. Um, you know, that one, I think most simply you need to improve the access to care for members in your population that have social risk factors, right? So the, um, we are, the, the, the change here is right now the, the, the reward factor is awarded to plans who are high performing and have low variability across all their measures. But CMS is saying, Hey, we're, we're going to, we're going to move that to the side. And instead we're going to have a reward only for plans who are, who are doing really well at improving access to care for members with social risk factors. So how do we, how do we do that? So first off, you have to have programs designed to do that. So in your bid strategy sessions right now, this month, next month, you know, you need to be thinking ahead and ensuring if, you know, are we attracting members with social risk factors? And if we are, then which you need to be doing because, because you, you know, only plans that have members with social risk factors and that are doing a good job of managing them are going to get a reward factor in the future if this change happens, which it yeah. most likely will. So designing your benefits so that you are attracting those members and you are eliminating any barriers to access in your plan design for those members. Um, so that's, 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 that's a key thing to kind of keep in mind there. And on the, the other, the third bucket, the patient experience and complaints and access measures, you know, that, that weight's reducing. Um, I would say the thing though to do is to not take your eye off of it. Um, you know, we're definitely, I mean, we're, we're advocating the CMS not make that change, even though a lot of plans are benefiting from reducing the weight back down to two. Um, it doesn't feel like the right thing to do for us. So, you know, we don't want plans to take their eyes off the member experience because if you are improving the member experience, then I believe strongly that you're going to have higher medication adherence rates, HEDIS compliance rates, because those members right. trust the plan more, trust their provider more, they feel respected more. And there are proven studies from Robert Wood Johnson, Robert Wood Johnson Foundation saying that members who feel respected that are having a better experience that trust their plans right. will have higher compliance scores in HEDIS and have higher adherence rates um, with their medications. So the key there is just to 
to not take your eye off on it, uh, off of it, even though the math is going to tell you, hey, these these measures are not that important anymore. I'm glad you made a reference to that study because I was going to mention that. Um, and, and that's kind of the the analogy that we we all get into because the moment this composition comes in, it's easy to um, look at, okay, what is m- much more important than the other composition? And so with caps going to two weights now, it's easy to assume that, okay, you know what, well, now the focus is going to be on ADs, not so much on caps. However, like you mentioned, caps significantly impact the other areas as well. Um, if the member is pleased with the plan, they have trust with the plan, it's easy for them to um, be adherent with their medication. It's easy for them to have a cordial relationship with their PCP, which all helps to drive uh, uh, the, the closing of gaps. So I, I think that's, uh, I agree with you 100% on, on that. So coming back to the improvement measures, the, the way forward, it's either plans, they stay neutral or they perform higher. They can't afford to de- uh, decline in the rate because there's going to be um, a penalty. There's going to be penalization for that. Right. It makes sense. It makes sense. With some of the changes in the proposed rule are reversing changes that were just recently made by CMS. Um, can you discuss why CMS is making those reversals and what it means for plants? Yeah, there are two two key changes that I'll reference. Here. One is um, one is the guardrails, and the other is those you know um, experience weights that we just talked about. But you know the guardrails um, they CMS implemented the guardrails originally because. They were saying that um, they were listening to plans who were pleading for the cut points to be more predictable in the future. You know, when cut points aren't predictable, you have no idea what what your goalposts, <laughs> where your goalposts are until after the game is over. Right. So um, which makes it all, all you can do for the last few years is just perform, 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 and then be paranoid for several months until you know what the final cut points are. Um, and just, you know, kind of pray that you, you know, that you achieve what you needed to, but there was nothing, no specific goal to shoot for. You just had to go for as high as you could. Right. And try to, try to, um, outpace the curve. Um, so CMS implemented guardrails this year for the first time in 23 stars. And then, and then what the two months later, they come out with the the proposed rule saying, okay, we changed our minds. We're not going to do that because, and their rationale is that, is that, um, it made it easier for contracts to receive four stars that, that, um, than it would have been if there were no guardrails. Um, and then vice versa, there were actually some cases with some measures where they're saying that, you know, um, more contracts received a one-star rating on that measure than they would have if there was no guardrail. So the guardrails aren't just positive. They don't just keep guard r- our cut points from going up and getting harder. You know, they keep guardrails from going down and getting easier if the industry is underperforming in a certain measure. So, um, and they're saying because two key of the the new outlier deletion methodology, which is coming into play for 2024 SARS, that will remove outliers. That'll make cut points more predictable by itself. So maybe we don't need guardrails um, anymore anyway, which is probably true. I mean, I'm a big believer that Tukey is going to take all the noise out, take the outliers out and make cut points more predictable. So that's why guardrails are going away on the experience weights. And this is one, you know, I'm pretty passionate about and I, I, um, I don't, 
disagree firmly with CMS on many things, but this one I do. Like I feel like they they um, they had every good reason in the world for improving these experience weights, increasing these experience weights, right? To making them four. Mm-hmm. Um, um, you know, in, intuitively, does it seem strange that a customer service experience is weighted heavier than a diabetic managing their blood sugar control? Y- yes, right. There are there are arguments for saying this is this was not the right thing to do. But I think that just on the surface level, I think if you really dig un- dig into this, and based on what we talked about earlier, and you you believe that someone who's having a better customer service experience is going to trust their plan more. Um, Mm. And that's just one example, but that's going to cause them to listen to their plan more and to adhere to medications more and to, um, to, to pay more attention to a reminder to get my mammogram or my colorectal cancer screening. Like, like I think it is absolutely the right thing to do to have experience weights at four. Um, but a lot of stakeholders disagreed. A lot of stakeholders said, you know, this is causing an improper imbalance. Um, it's causing, it's going to cause plans to sacrifice patient safety because it's going to make someone a plan focus more on a customer service encounter than on a diabetic control measure, which I don't think is the case. I think one impacts the other positively. And I think if someone's, uh, so I, th- I think it all would have worked out right and was the right thing to do. So, but in a nutshell, they got a lot of feedback from stakeholders saying, um, this is the wrong thing to do. It's causing an improper imbalance. And, um, and also CMS paid out more money in, because these weights jumped to four than, than what I think than what most people realized. Most people thought increasing the experience weights to four is going to cause fewer quality bonus payments to be paid. That's, that's not what happened. And I wonder if, if, if part of that increase is because plans finally started focusing on improving their member experience and that caused some of their other measures to increase too, like the heatest measures and the adherence rates. So, um, which caused the influx in quality bonus payments. Um, um, so in a nutshell, they're saying, you know, stakeholders are telling us MedPAC is saying there's an imbalance. So, you know, we're, we're going to reduce the weight back down to two, but we're not going to reduce it below two because they were at one and a half before. And CMS is saying, we, we know what happens. We know we can't influence plan behavior when they're one and a half, that that was not enough to cause plans to, to focus on these measures at all. So they're thinking if they're weighted two, um, then that's the right place to be. They're going to, that, you know, it won't cause an imbalance. It won't cause plans to sacrifice patient safety, but it will cause plans to, um, to, to focus on them enough to, to do the right thing. Mm, mm, mm. It make it makes sense. I, and I agree with you. Um, and one way or the other, um, uh, a lot of plans have to this year, 2023, it start, you know, caps being four weights. It's mm-hmm. putting a lot of pressure um, for plans to look at different ways to engage members and so they're able to provide that experience. And, and so one way or the other, as much as the overall intention is to make sure that members are receiving utmost quality with their care, that's one side of the argument also is that, okay, we just want to make sure our members feel good. And so is there, is there, is that going to create a fair balance between quality and how our members feel? But to your point, if the member has a good experience, it's going to translate 
into all other areas. So that makes uh, perfect sense. One thing that you mentioned about the tricky outlier deletion, because with any data, definitely you don't want to be dealing with outliers because that can skew the data. So definitely uh, the outlier coming in, taking right. out the, the 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 noises in the cut point computation will uh, allow a more stable cut point um, calculation. It's also one way or the other going to impact plans as well. Um, because at some point for plans that uh, for 2021, for instance, they were at four star, they probably may have to even need a higher score in order for them to attain that same level of performance. And even in this case, if the fact that the, the cushion Absolutely. that they had for 2021, the COVID cushion that was provided, that is also not in place. Mm. Yeah, 20, 24 stars is going to be a disruptive year, I think, from a star's perspective, mm-hmm. because like you just said, we're still mm-hmm. kind of dealing with COVID relief being gone. And now we've got Tukey. So in Tukey long term right. will be very positive for us. It'll make cut points predictable. It'll make us, I think, have a lot more confidence in where we're going to land every year. But in 2024 stars, the first year, mm-hmm. it's for the first time removing all those outliers. And it's going to cause some cut points to shift yeah. up dramatically, you know, 20, 30 points in some cases. And that we've never seen before. And um, it's going to be, it's going to be a disruptive year. Yeah. Well, it is. The storm is coming, but I think this, after the storm, um, things are going to be stabilized. So, and we can all cruise after that. So. Exactly. uh, Yeah. Great to hear that. (laughs) Um, Tell me, what is the best advice you've ever been given, Rex? Ah, gosh, that's a that's a great question, and there's probably so many things I could I could say, and um, you know what what comes to mind is is I I had a boss who, um, you know when we were so stars right, it's all about managing the matrix right. Mm-hmm. Typically, we have a small stars team maybe a quality team, but the people who really influence these measures don't, don't report up to the SARS team typically, right? It's all mm-hmm. dotted lines and, and it's all about influence. So yeah, when you are hiring people, when you're adding people to your team, you know, um, I'm a big believer in education. I mean, I've got a, you know, MBA, et cetera, but, but, but the most important thing you need to look for when you're trying to like build a stars team or a quality team mm-hmm. organization mm-hmm. is look for influence. Like people who, people who can influence other people, um, not, not, pers- not persuade, not anything in a negative connotation, but just, mm-hmm. you know, understand what needs to happen, understand the message and be able to influence the organization because it's all about organizational engagement. That's the secret sauce to stars. And if you can influence your organization in a positive way and get them engaged um, and everyone rowing in the same direction for stars, good things happen, but it all, but it takes people who are, who have that, that, you know, um, personality trait of influence. Mm. To add to that, influence goes along with leadership. Absolutely. Um, A leader without the ability to influence is just, it's just as nothing. Exactly. So, exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm, that makes sense. Well, Rex, if someone wants to get hold of you, how can they, where can they find you? Yeah. Uh, you know, LinkedIn is probably the, the, the best bet. Um, 
um, you know, LinkedIn, Rex Wallace, which I'm sure there's a bunch of Rex Wallaces, but, but, uh, you know, we, um, I'm pretty active on there. Our firm is pretty active on there. We're, you know, we, we, we try to be generous and share information on there around quality and stars. Um, you know, like you mentioned earlier, we have a podcast too, uh, rising stars with Rex Wallace. We're on YouTube. It's a video podcast and, um, you know, and, and have some great, great guests and great conversations on there. Um, and even on the member experience thing, I'll touch real quick on, on my LinkedIn page. Um, I just kind of touched on the member experience and why we, why CMS changed those weights and how I disagreed with it. Um, I actually wrote a whole paper on this last week and, and which, you know, some people were referring to as my manifesto, right? Like on, on um, CMS changing this because I disagree pretty strongly with it, but it, it does a, it, I, it, I did a ton of research in that one and in it, it lays out um, the timeline and the reasons why CMS made the change in the first place and, and now how they're kind of reverting back. And um, I don't know, I was pretty passionate about it. So, you know, feel free to find that on my LinkedIn page too. And if you're looking for any ammunition internally on helping people understand how important the member experience is for SARS, it's, um, you know, hopefully it's in there. I will, I will commend you for a great work you did with that article because, guys, I'll tell you, if you really want to understand um, the preambles um, to stars and caps, please go to um, Rex's page, uh, read that post, and it's really going to give you uh, a good understanding of where, how the journey has been and why we're here today. So I want to commend you because that took a, definitely a lot of research. A lot of, it wasn't something that you just can just sit down <laughs> and type it down. <laughs> I did actually, so I did it in, in two days while my fiance was working on her master's thesis. So we were up like all night, like two nights in a row. And, and I was like, okay, if I'm going to be up, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write this thing. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. We are going to be busy. That's nice. Well, Rex, I want to thank you for your time and your experience, allowing us to tap into um, your knowledge. Um, thank you for being here. Hey, thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it. You're welcome. And I also want to thank you all for listening. Have a great day, and I'll see you on the next episode. Bye, everybody. If you found today's conversation as informative as we did, please take a moment, subscribe to the podcast, and share with your network. Thanks for joining us for the Medicare Stars podcast, and see you next time.